the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, it, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he pinned me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name, that happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Is the two-man power trip of wrestling and you are listening to feature episode number nine of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast if you didn't know by now my name is chad and as always i'm joined by my tag team partner the one and only jp john paz and john to come a little bit later on in this feature episode featuring the man behind house of hardcore the innovator of violence tommy dreamer making his return to the two-man power trip of wrestling, this time talking about the big one, Saturday, June 15th at the Leon Center in Kingston, Ontario. House of Hardcore teams up with Chinlock for Charity, the Legends of Wrestling convention and wrestling show featuring an amazing array of talent featuring Brett the Hitman Hart, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, Tugboat, Jimmy Hart, Obviously, Tommy Dreamer, and so many more at this Chinlock for Charity event, co-sponsored here by Chinlock Wrestling, and also a House of Hardcore event later on in the evening, and that is where we're going to turn the attention to what's going on in the world of Tommy Dreamer. Obviously, to us, Tommy Dreamer is no stranger. We've had him on a couple of times in the past promoting various House of Hardcore events as well as a few other independent shows. And there's no better ambassador for professional wrestling right now than Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer basically has his hand in every single promotion in some way, shape, or form. You've seen him pop up, obviously, in the WWE in past years, but as well as working with Impact Wrestling He's been 
dominating the independent scene with House of Hardcore for many years, and he's kept himself so absolutely relevant in the wrestling world by teaming up again here with AEW and recently being featured in the AEW pay-per-view uh, pre-show battle royal that they had just a couple weeks back. And uh, it's a real testament to Tommy Dreamer and the friends he's made in the business, as well as just being an all-around great guy to be able to help out so many different promotions and maintain the stranglehold that he does on the independent wrestling scene by having House of Hardcore be such a juggernaut that we've talked about them promoting shows in New York and Pennsylvania and great markets in the United States like that, also out in the Midwest, Wisconsin, uh, the Chicago area. But he's taken House of Hardcore all the way over to Australia, and that is an amazing feat as it is just because of the undertaking that you have to go with the travel and the accommodations for different guys and making sure they can cross over into an area like Australia. I mean, it's it's an absolute uh, task to undertake, but the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer, has done such a great job of making House of Hardcore a staple of the wrestling world over the last couple of years. But hey, when you also think about Tommy Dreamer, you can't help but think about the ECW legacy, and we've talked about that in the past with Tommy, but we talk about it all the time on the Triple Threat Podcast with the franchise. We talk about how much Tommy Dreamer was the heart and soul of that ECW contingent, that ECW roster, looking to Tommy Dreamer as somewhat of a rock. He obviously was basically the right-hand man to Paul Heyman, making a lot of big decisions in the company and also being one of the top stars and learning how to do so many different things in the wrestling business by being at the helm there with Paul Heyman, especially at the end of ECW when Paul Heyman was kind of uh, looking for a television deal and on his way to the WWF. Well, Tommy Dreamer was the one who was running all the shows. So you see guys that really owe a lot to Tommy Dreamer because he looked out for them in years past and they always pay it forward. And that's actually one of the coolest things about those ECW originals. They're a very tight-knit group that always kind of watch out for each other. And we've seen that with Tommy Dreamer in the past. But this one, this is a big one. The Chinlock for Charity with Chinlock Wrestling up in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. I mean, anytime you see Bret Hart on a card or a show in Canada, you obviously know that's going to be special. But the array of guests, you know, we'll kind of run through the whole thing here. You got Bret Hart. You got Tully Blanchard. You've got our good buddy, Arn Anderson. You've got Jimmy Hart. You've got the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. You've got Tugboat. You've got Tommy Dreamer. You've got Billy Gunn. And you've got Hornswoggle. And that is just a few of the names and the legends that will be at the Chinlock for Charity, looking at the House of Hardcore card later on in the night. You've got Sammy Callahan taking on Willie Mack, as well as seeing Hornswoggle in action against RJ City, who's uh, tied very much into the world of David Arquette, if you follow any of their antics on social media. So it's a great show. If you're going to be in the Kingston, Ontario, Canada area, you definitely want to check that out. It's Saturday, June 15th. It's at the Leon Center. It is Chinlock for Charity, Legends Convention and Wrestling Show. For more information, and if you want to check it out on Twitter, you could obviously check out the House of Hardcore page uh, on Twitter, which is at House of Hardcore. Or you can head right over to Chinlock Wrestling's Twitter. It is at Chinlock Wrestle. And all of the rest of the ticket information is on Chinlock Wrestling 
Com. So we want to thank Chinlock Wrestling for helping us out with this feature show and getting Tommy Dreamer on the airwaves once again. It's always our pleasure to talk to the innovator of violence, the one and only Tommy Dreamer. So that's enough out of me. Let's get it on over to this great interview with the one and only Tommy Dreamer. Right now is the heart and soul of ECW, the innovator of violence, a former ECW world champion and ECW tag team champion. You may know him as Tommy Dreamer. Tommy, welcome back to the two-man power trip for the third time being on the show. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having me. How are you? Doing great. And obviously, we are promoting a huge, huge show going on in Canada on excuse me, June 15th for Chinlock Wrestling, also a convention that day, and then House of Hardcore at night. The Chinlock for Charity Legends convention will be during the day, obviously, and the House of Hardcore show will be that night, and it's going on in Kingston, Ontario. Please tell us a little bit about what's going to happen in Canada on June the 15th. Well, the best part about this is we're raising money for charity, all proceeds. And when I say all proceeds, all proceeds are going towards uh, charity, with uh, Chinlock has done this, I want to say this is their fourth or fifth year, and it's just getting bigger and bigger. And when you talk about a big loaded show and convention, we have Brett the Hitman Hart, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, Mark Henry, Billy Gunn uh, for Hall of Famers, myself. Uh, oh, Jimmy Hart's a Hall of Famer too. Uh, Tugboat, myself, Hornswoggle. Uh, Sammy Callahan, Willie Mack, uh, you name it. It's a loaded, loaded show. And like I said, I can't speak highly enough about my friend Jan Murphy, who uh, started Chinlock Wrestling to help raise money for youth in Toronto. And he's a local, I'm sorry, in Ontario. He's a local uh, guy who cares about his community. And this has been his passion for, quite some time now and this is the biggest event he's ever put together i joke about it because i think he has non-stop diarrhea because of it. <laughs> he just wants this to be uh so good and he just wants to raise money and they have raised so much already um for his past events and he just wants to be this to be like his coup de gras event now how did house of hardcore and you how did you kind of get all tied into this big big event when you talk about meeting people uh, and 
you know, just like how I met you, I was, I've met you a bunch of times, but you know, then I got, and I went and I worked for you and you know, Hey, you become friends, uh, for Jan, I just did an independent show a long, long time ago and he was my ride. And he also is a, you know, uh, he writes for newspaper articles up there and we just hit it off on the, the car ride there. Cause it's about a two and a half, three hour drive. And we just hit it off as human beings and wrestling fans. And then he was like, do you want to write an article? This is, you know, while I was in WWE, would you like to write an article for uh, the Kingston newspaper? You know, you tell such great stories. And we just, honestly, we just became friends. And, you know, I call him my brother and I don't throw that term around uh, a lot. I'm not like Hulk Hogan where everything is brother, brother. Um, sure. And, you know, he had told me about personal tragedy in his own life with the loss of his actual brother. And he was in a down time in his life. And, you know, he just feels that like when him and I met, we met for a reason and stuff like this is what I love about what I do. Cause it's giving back to the community and it's giving back to people who have not had uh, a fortunate enough upbringing and it's raising money through doing something that I love. You love professional wrestling and it's when those two forces come together, there's nothing that's going to stop it. It is great that House of Hardcore is associated with this. And I always see House of Hardcore is like almost everybody's friend, in a sense. House of Hardcore will pop up uh, with Impact Wrestling. You know, they'll pop up here and there. How do you do that, where you almost maintain such good relationships with everybody? You're able to, boom, pop up in Canada, boom, pop up the ECW arena, obviously your own show, but then Impact kind of teams up, NWA sometimes. How do you end up kind of creating such good relationships all around the wrestling world? I always treat people how uh, I want to be treated, and I don't command respect because of, oh, I'm a wrestler for 30 years and all that crap. Uh, I treat people how, like I said, I want to be treated, and I'm honest to people. Sometimes that's my detriment, and but I will, I won't ever betray anybody. I will never... I will let somebody slap my face first before I slap theirs back. But I mean, I just treat people like people and if it's good business and there's, you know, that's literally the, the motto of my company, no politics, no BS, just wrestling. Uh, as long as all those things apply, I'm good and I'm happy. And you know, that's where I, I want to be. And I feel like you always have big cards. Like, if you lose somebody to, you know, whatever wrestling organization, it doesn't matter. You have, you know, Billy Gunn will step in and he'll wrestle somebody, or Willie Mack or Sammy Callahan. <clears throat> Excuse me. How do you always kind of refresh the talent? Because, you know, some, some promotions, they'll have guys and they'll lose guys, and they can't, you know, they can't uh, get over that hurdle. They can't kind of recover. How does House of Hardcore always kind of end up, uh, you know, on the flip side? They always end up doing the, the right thing. They always end up having a great card. Uh, well, I mean, I've had a few scares, like the time Matt and Jeff Hardy, uh, had signed with WWE. And then I was told that they're not allowed to wrestle by WWE. And I was just, you know, uh, I had the young bucks. One of the bucks got sick. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm going to the main source. And that was Vince McMahon and Hunter. And they let it happen. And then, uh, the next the next uh, time I lost somebody, which was recently, and then I went and I went to Ring of Honor, and they gave me 
uh, the Briscoe brothers. They happen to have a weekend off. And, you know, whenever things like that happen, there's just this past uh, couple of weeks ago, I did the last show in Nashville at the Nashville Fairgrounds. My main event, John Morrison, Willie Mack, and his wife, uh, Taya, John's wife, got stuck in Dallas because of all the bad weather and tornadoes. I just went out and I told the fans, hey, I told them the truth. And I learned that from the original ECW is never lie to your audience. I told them the truth. And the card was awesome. I gave them a nice few surprises that they didn't expect. And it was also hard work of the men and women on the show. So it all worked out. And to me, as long as you're honest with people, one person took a refund. And that's the only time. signed uh, that they're going to appear just for that day because I don't like to where something happens. I don't like to, I'll never false advertise anybody or I will never lie to my audience. And I think that goodwill is what has kept my company going and going to a pretty damn good level for, you know, being an independent promotion. Uh, that's just, uh, you know, the, the perfect way. And I love the, obviously, how's the hardcore credo that no politics, no BS, just wrestling. It, it fits perfectly. I love that. And it really, you know, go, goes a long way. And with house of hardcore, obviously you got so much coming up and, and what, where do you kind of see house of hardcore going? Do you still kind of see the, 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 you know, kind of still path that it's going on wrestling everywhere, or do you almost see yourself slowing down a little bit with house of hardcore in the future? You know, uh, I had said to myself uh, this year, I wasn't going to dedicate House of Hardcore to a full-time slot like I was doing. And just because of so many, you know, there's a lot of competition there as well as I can't sign people to contracts. And, you know, when everybody's getting signed, it's hard to actually keep producing shows that I had. And, you know, I have the deal with Twitch, which I still have, but I'm no longer contractually obligated to Twitch in the matter that I was. Um, So then I was just like, I I can't do this to myself. You know, even after the whole uh, Tony Khan and AEW thing came along, I'm like, when am I going to find my Tony Khan and somebody believes in my vision for a company that is doing very, very well. So I just... I've been staying the the path, and when I tell you that I have more opportunity now than ever for a larger viewing platform, and I've said this to only a, a couple of people, that I'm so close to the finish line I could see it. And when I say the finish line, I'm saying there's more opportunity for House of Hardcore, the brand, to be seen by more and more eyes and if i could get there i'm gonna i gotta pursue it for myself and for also the wrestling fans because i'm so so close and i've worked so so hard i want to just be like honestly like i just did nashville and then i couldn't even breathe because i have two shows right after that philadelphia and st james and then the next week i have uh kingston and it's After Kingston, I just want to take a nap for like a day and then continue because it's a 24-hour job. And 
It's not a 20, you know, I don't have, I'm not a billion dollar company like WWE where I'm a publicly traded company. I'm not, uh, I don't have, you know, a Tony Khan. I don't have New Japan's money. I don't have television, but there's, I'm hoping and praying that everything that I've been working so hard for has come to fruition. I've been very, very blessed to have had the Fight Network uh, carry, you know, my company. And the last time, you know, the first time we went to Toronto, we set the attendance record in Ted Reeve Arena. Um, I've been blessed to have Twitch uh, get behind me and pay me for my content. Uh, so it just continues, and I'm close. And I will continue that that path that I'm on because, man, I'm so close. Feels like House of Hardcore and even ECW back in the day. It's almost like, man, like uh, you know, TNA found you know Dixie Carter and Panda Energy. You know, like how come ECW wasn't able to find that? How, how come House of Hardcore? Right? It's almost that same kind of thing. It's like, man, if those two companies could find their you know their billionaire, so to speak, uh, you know, it would be uh, you know balls to the wall. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, everything happens for a reason. Like I said, if if I wanted to. I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I loved AEW. I love doing what I'm doing in Impact Wrestling. I love doing what I'm doing on uh, for House of Hardcore and even Indies. I love wrestling. And as long as I can continue on that path and contribute, not only in the ring but behind the scenes, like our last show we did for House of Hardcore, I didn't even wrestle on it. It was because of uh, a bunch of unforeseen circumstances, but there was no place for me on the card, and the show was unbelievable. So I'm okay with that. I've never been about me, me, me. It's always been about the show and the brand and whatever brand I'm working for. You know, speaking of AEW, obviously, Double or Nothing, you're a part of that battle royal. I know, obviously, Cornette had some things to say about it. He said that you're basically, Mick Foley, you're too nice to tell these guys you're not doing these spots and different things, different things like that. So what was your take on AEW and, you know, their big Double or Nothing pay-per-view? AEW uh, is the cool product right now. AEW reminds me of ECW in the sense of they have everybody talking about it. And it's the cool alternative product to pro wrestling. Um, and listen, uh, I didn't hear what Jim Cornette said. I don't care what Jim Cornette said. Um, that's cool. He's entitled to his opinion. Uh, it was Terry Funk who told me that if you don't adapt with the business, the business will pass you by. And I never got the best friends until I saw it and I saw it live and they did every move in that has ever been invented in professional wrestling with Angelico and Jack Evans tore the house down. And one of the biggest reactions they got was when they hugged. Mm. And that's when I understood the best friends. And if you don't get it, cool. You don't have to watch it, but 14,000 people did. And if it had a television show behind it, people would get it too. And uh, for me, not sunny kiss spot. I am not homophobic. I've taken Rikishi's butt. I've taken uh, Francine's butt. I've taken Kelly Kelly's butt. And I guess people have a problem with it because it's sunny kiss. Well, I don't have a problem with sunny kiss. 
So I think people have a problem with themselves. Uh, the Orange Cassidy thing, when he told me about that thing in the back, and he was like, I'm a lazy wrestler. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and when I turned around and he got into the ring, I felt electricity in that building. And when he did his thing, I got it. And if I didn't get it, when I punched him, I would either punch him or ripped his head off with a clothesline so he wouldn't be able to get up. But I got it, and so did 14,000 other people. It's if you can understand it. If you showed somebody, and I'm not pointing out Jim Cornette, but if you showed somebody what started off a feud with rock and roll and, and let's say the Midnight Express was Jim Cornette's birthday and they dunked his head in his birthday cake and it really like was an embarrassing moment in the 80s for the guy who also a lot of his heat was he was a mama's boy and a sissy which back then was heat but today it's not really heat and if you tried maybe showing that to somebody today and be like so you put a guy's head in a birthday cake and that started this really great feud it might make sense to people today so that's why i say cool whoever didn't like it there's other things to watch watch wwe watch i watch the wwe network all the time watch uh anything you want but you don't have to spread hate or total disdain towards other people because you don't get something just change the channel i think people kind of blew it up obviously you didn't hear it, but people kind of blew it up more than it was he basically said you were too nice to tell these guys you're not doing these, those spots but obviously you're you're adapting to the style and the crowd was into it you know obviously and that's the name of the game right yeah and we work like i said we work for reactions um and i'm sure because i've also spoke to road warrior animal when uh road warrior hawk no sold jerry lawler's pile driver Everybody back then was like, what in the hell's going on? But I know I still remember that, and so do so many other people remember that. Um, or the Hulk Hogan comeback, or the Ultimate Warrior comeback, where guys are hitting them, hitting them, hitting them, and then all of a sudden, you know, with Hulk Hogan, it's the you. you if you watch that stuff, you'd be like, man, that's fake and phony as can be, but I witnessed it live, and I was a kid jumping up and down for it and screaming, you. So it's, again, different strokes from different folks. I watched, uh, there was a show that came out right after Sons of Anarchy, uh, which was like a medieval show. And I was like, oh, he's from the creators of Son of Anarchy. He did the show. I forgot the name of the show. And on the first episode, they cut the baby out of a pregnant woman. And right then and there, I said, nope, this show's not for me. And just back in the day, I would have not been affected by that, but because I'm a father, and I was just like, this show's not for me. I didn't go online, and I didn't take a public forum about how dare they, because I knew it wasn't real, and I was watching a television show, and I basically just stopped watching it and didn't hate the actors for doing it, didn't hate the writers. I watched the second Sons of Anarchy prequel thing. I enjoyed it. So, you know, it's different strokes for different folks. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, it's great to see that you have such a great relationship with AEW. 
Is Cody, you know, very friendly with you, maybe because of, you know, obviously history with Dusty. Are you friendly with Dustin? How does that, you know, that whole, not relationship, but that whole kind of thing go together? Or is it something else involved? Like, how do you kind of maintain that relationship? Is it all stemming from Dusty? Uh, I hired Cody into WWE. I hired oh, Kenny wow. Omega into WWE. The Young Bucks worked all my House of Hardcore shows, and I always told them, I wish I could sign them to a contract because they were my main eventers all the time. And I've known Cody since he was a little boy. Uh, I love his brother. I love him. I love his whole family. And I did not learn until the NWA videos that Dusty told his son, Cody, that he had five people that he trusted in the wrestling business. And I was one of the five. And I had no clue of that. And that's a, Dusty was my hero. Dusty was my friend. Dusty was probably the most hardest experience I ever have had of someone passing. And to the point where Beulah was like, do you want to go see somebody and talk? And I started wrestling and I was part of ECW in the 90s where people were dying left and right. And I was like, oh, I got to go to another funeral. Eh, I'm not going to go to this funeral because you become desensitized to it. So for that relationship, you know, was everything. I wear polka dots on my pants every time I wrestle so people remember him. Not, that's my, my homage to him. And that's our relationship. And Cody has, I will treat Cody like he's my brother slash son, even though he's excelled more than, than me in this business. But I couldn't be prouder where he's at. Um, and he's doing a great job. So are the Young Bucks. So is Kenny. But it's always like the relationships that you forge in life that really, and when you say, like, how do you get these relationships? I can go to anybody on the WWE roster and like I've hired people who are in WWE. I've hired people and, and just, I've always been honest with people. Even when it was time for like, I remember Beth Phoenix crying to me and it's like, you know, WWE, what should I do? And I was like, so leave, you know, walk away. And then for the fact that she's a hall of famer, for the fact that she was able to come back on her terms. And now guess what? She's a pretty good announcer. So I love that because I had that opportunities given to me. There was, it was not, Tommy Dreamer wasn't built in a day. I used to be able to come back from my matches and my boss, the guy who I'm supposed to work my hardest for, Paul Heyman would give me advice and then Terry Funk and then Mick Foley and sometimes Kevin Sullivan. All these guys helped make me. So I, I want to be a coach that helps other people become great. That is great. And with uh, Dusty, we actually had the honor and the privilege. We did his last ever interview. It was a couple of days before he passed. So I had a, um, you know, a bunch of phone conversations with him, kind of going back and forth, setting it up and stuff. And it's funny because he didn't know me at all. And obviously I only know him because he's Dusty Rhodes, but he treated me as if like, I was like an old friend. Like he was always like, Hey Johnny. And you know, only really my dad calls me Johnny. So it was kind of like funny, but weird in a way he made you feel that he was like really close to you and it was really cool. And I always, you know, will never forget that we had, you know, his last ever interview and, and, and how impactful it was. And I just thought it was so cool 
that he was able to create a relationship with me over the phone briefly in, in you know, five conversations or so. But I just thought, man, like, this is so cool. You know, I was marking out on the other end. Obviously, I didn't tell him, but I'm marking out. Like, wow, Dusty Rhodes is on the phone calling me. You know, just crazy, crazy stuff. So I just, uh, you know, for us and, and our show, Dusty's uh, death definitely had an impact on us, too, because you know, we just spoke to him. We were shocked that he had passed. Dusty had such a presence, such a man, uh, something about his smile, how he greeted people. And I remember the first time it was WrestleMania where Beulah, and Beulah's not impressed by anything. She's very salty towards professional wrestling. And when she met Dusty Rhodes, she afterwards, she and he, you know, hello, darling, had his both his hands out, brought her in, gave her a hug. And she turned to me after that, and she was just like, what a presence of a human being. And I was blown away with that. And she was just like, I don't, like, like you said, she goes, I felt like I knew him for years, and he was the most genuine person I ever met. And I was like, well, guess what? Because he is to me. And you're, you know, my family, the mother of my children. So he'll be that way with you. So cool. And, and definitely, you know, you know, so right. And on Dusty and it's great stuff. But, you know, as, as we, we head towards the finish and, and we head towards the, the wind down here, I just got to ask. Obviously, you know, you've got some big House of Hardcore shows coming up. But what do you think is kind of the legacy, not only uh, of Tommy Dreamer, but what, what do you think is the, the legacy of, of House of Hardcore? Uh, I mean, the legacy, I think, from everybody, if we make it, we'll be like, man, that's a cool place to work or that's a great place where I cut my teeth. Um, if we don't make it, it'll be the same thing. Like, man, I wish it had more. But every one of my events, from fans to wrestlers and everyone about, they, they realize how fun it is. And I want people to I, – I, wrestling has given me the greatest moments of my life. Uh, I think about it from the first time I was at the first ever WrestleMania. Um, if I was at the NWA show, the first time the NWA came to the Meadowlands, and that was, you know, the first time they came up north – you know, when I was there with my dad, my dad later on got Parkinson's disease in my life. He didn't look like my father. He didn't act like my father because the disease took over. But when I ever see Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, or they actually put that show on the WWE Network, I became a 10-year-old boy again sitting next to my dad who was my hero, who was strong, who didn't have disease. And it was a great, great night for me and my father. And when I get sad, when I miss him, I'll think of something like that. I may cry what my daughters when they were little called happy tears, but I remember a time in my life where this is the greatest day of my life and wrestling has given me that it's given me my houses. It's given me my kids. It's given me my dogs and I love it. And if the world is a crazy place, but just like on June 15th, if we can forget about all our problems and just come away and say, wow, we raise money for a charity what a great night we had watching professional wrestling. Then I know I did my job. And for me, when it's all said and done, it's cool. Where people could just say, man, Tommy Dreamer, he did his job. And uh, he made it. He entertained us. And I'd be cool with that. 
Nice. And of course, one final time, it is Chinlock for Charity, Legends Conventioning with Chinlock Wrestling and House of Hardcore having a wrestling show at night. This all goes on June the 15th in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. Tommy, please let us know where the fans can find you, any social media that you have. Uh, I'm the Tommy Dreamer across the board and houseofhardcore.net, but my Twitter, my Instagram, Facebook is all the Tommy Dreamer. All right. Awesome stuff. And definitely looking forward to not only Chinlock, but more coming from House of Hardcore. Thank you so much, Tommy. Cool. Thanks, bud. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.